Network. And to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you living a wellness lifestyle? What could it do for you? Join us today on the Wellness Lounge a step further and see how our guests and direction can inspire you to self-empowerment through a wellness lifestyle. Now, here is the host of the Wellness Lounge a step further, Desiree Watson. Thanks for joining us again. We have a very exciting show for you today. I, um, as always, I'm, I'm really excited about every guest that comes on, but uh, today is absolutely very special just uh, to my heart because uh, we have uh, an absolutely amazing guest, uh, brilliant guest, um, who we'll invite uh, on in just a moment. But I want to once again say thank you to the many listeners from around the world. Uh, I am so humbled <laughs> by the fact that um, you are listening in and, and tuning in to hear what uh, it means to be empowered with that whole connection of mind, body, spirit. And our platform, it's, the wellness, it's wellness Interactive. Our signature brand is the Wellness Lounge. And basically, uh, we believe in taking it a step further. And that a step further is having guests on that can engage you with empowering oneself uh, with being grounded in all of mind, body, spirit, being grounded in faith. And uh, they may be a scientist. They may be an author. Uh, they may live right next door to you, or you may have someone like them living right next door to you. And, uh, you know, it's important to know and understand that uh, you can engage with these people. You will not find them necessarily on uh, the, the media. We are not a huge media platform. I don't engage like that uh, because uh, that too has its place. Uh, there's television, there's radio, there's all of that. And um, we don't necessarily focus on uh, the celebrity platform. We feel the celebrity that lives next door to you and yourself <laughs> is empowered with all the things that are connected with being grounded in faith and mind, body, spirit. So on that note, uh, thanks again uh, to all of uh, you who are listening in. I'm going to read uh, just uh, a dedication that uh, our guest, uh, Rupert A. Hales, Jr., um, has uh, written in his book because he is the author of Emotional Intelligence in the Church. And so uh, before we ask him to come on, uh, his dedication, I just think it's absolutely beautiful. It's, it's to his wife. Uh, it reads, I would like to thank God for giving me the courage to complete this subtle piece of material he has placed in my heart. I dedicate this work to Marianne Conti. Marianne is one of the godliest people anyone could ever meet. Her personal journey is filled with emotional challenges and triumphs. 
She has survived growing up with manic depression, trichotillomania, and uh, I hope I have that, uh, I pronounced it correctly, and mental institutionalization. Through this entire journey, God has delivered her. Marianne came into my life at a time when I struggled with the emotional dimension. She was able to help me walk through this. With her experience and her long journey of pain, she has helped many people who have come into her path. She lights up the room because she understands not just intellectual matters, but emotional matters others would subconsciously dismiss. She has a keen ability to discern that which is not obvious. She believes intellect doesn't make a person, but rather it is one's connection to other human beings that makes us better people. I dedicate this book to my wife, partner, and friend, Marianne Conti Hayes. This was a dedication written by Rupert Hales, and the Mr. Rupert Hales, who we'll uh, hear from shortly, is the president of the Center for Emotional and Spiritual Development. Spiritual wellness acknowledges our search for deeper meaning in life and is reflected when our actions become more consistent with our beliefs and values. Emotional wellness is a measure of our happiness and satisfaction with ourselves and our lives. Achieving emotional wellness includes realistic self-assessment and an ability to cope effectively with stress, uh, feelings of anger, sadness, hope, love, joy, happiness. Mr. Hales, Rupert Hales, is also the chief operating officer of the Christ Church of New Jersey uh, uh, organizational leaders, uh, leaders organization. He provides oversight to the administration staff, the church's subsidiary corporations. I can go on and on. He's a, uh, a graduate of the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. Uh, he is uh, presently a candidate for a PhD at Regent University, and I can go on. But uh, Let's just invite him to enlighten us and empower us with emotional intelligence in the church. Just being grounded in faith, I think. Right, Rupert? That is correct, Desiree. Thank you so much. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me on. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to, uh, to having this wonderful conversation with you. Oh, well, I'll tell you, um, it wasn't difficult at all to invite uh, someone uh, – that uh, really, uh, I think, uh, can enlighten us and empower us with uh, aligning our emotional intelligence uh, with the church? Or um, is it also safe to say being grounded in faith? Uh, is that one of the two or no? That's absolute. Um, you see, the, the, the term emotional intelligence, when people hear that term, they tend to be a little bit uh, uh, nervous about it because it implies um, intelligence, implies something of the higher high order. And I don't think that's the case. Um, when I mention emotional intelligence, it doesn't matter whether it's the church, whether it's your home, whether mm -hmm. it's your workplace. Uh, emotional intelligence is emotion. And um, it reminds me if you don't mind me mentioning it, there's a certain 
scripture, uh, Bible scripture that um, absolutely uh, is used in First Thessalonians five verse twenty three, and it says, "May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." And so, the thing that stood out to me in that um, verse is these three points. May your whole spirit, soul, and body. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter um, what you think that you think you believe in. It's not going to change the fact that you have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. Um, uh, oh, love it. Body, body means, okay, it's your physical nature. You go to the gym, you take care of it. Spirit means that um, we as human beings, doesn't matter who we are, we are, by destiny, um, will live and then we will die, which means you have a spirit that goes on after that, whether you believe that or not. And the third thing is your soul, and this is the part that's intriguing as it relates to emotional intelligence and emotions. Your soul is your mind, your will, your temperament, and your emotions. So, when I look at that scripture, it says you have three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And you can try to deny any one of those three parts, but you still have three parts. And so your emotions, which is your soul, matters. Just like how your body matters. Get up, go to work. Get up, go to the gym. Get up, do something. You have to use your hands, your feet, and you don't deny those. And your spirit, I mean, you have a connection to a higher order. You have a connection to God himself, the maker the creator. Um, and so you can't deny that either. And your emotions you can't deny. And so then, when you go to work or when you're working or whatever you're doing, you're still running into the situation where you're going to use your emotions. Whether it's fear, whether it's joy, whether it's love, whether it's anxiety, it doesn't matter. You still are going to use those emotions. And basically, emotional intelligence is the ability for you to use your emotions to have a positive outcome. It's, it's, I, sometimes I just, you know, sometimes you, you have to get past the technicalities and just get to the simple, which is emotional intelligence is using your emotions to have a good outcome. And sometimes, either one, we deny that the emotions exist. Two, um, we know that it exists, but what we do is fail not to acknowledge it. Or three, we accept that we are this way and there is no change. Someone once said to me, Desiree, mm-hmm. this is such an interesting statement that you use. They said emotions don't die. They just get buried alive. Ooh, wow. The thing about that is it gets buried alive, which means it's still alive somewhere. Yes. And it's going to come out somewhere, somehow. And oh, my God. for us is just to be able to acknowledge them be able to know how to use them and be able to use them for a better outcome for ourselves. And that's for me, has been one of the things that led me on this, this journey to understand this kind of thing. Oh, my gosh. That's so powerful. Um, uh, what you just mentioned about uh, emotions being... Uh, buried alive. That someone once said that, uh, which uh, it, it's absolutely powerful because when we think 
of maybe perhaps meeting a uh, young person or a child, and we have children or, or some of us engage with children, mm-hmm. and that when we're young, uh, the, most children seem very happy, very grounded in uh, all of what you just spoke about, you know, if they're being nurtured. Uh, it, it, they just seem so beautiful, <laughs> beautiful angels. Yeah. And then as... Uh, uh, children get older, and ourselves, as we all get older, there's something that happens. And that emotion, if we just stay with emotion for a moment, if, uh, if the emotions are being buried and, and pretty much alive, as you pass through and you continue, perhaps, not to connect uh, uh, all of what you just spoke about, the body, you know, the spirit. Now, understanding uh, that, uh, yes, there's a God, and just being grounded in that way, you can very much uh, become 80 years old, yep. God willing, 70. Or, and, you know, this is the tough part sometimes. When you get to be 70 or 80 or 90 or just an, an, a mature adult, mm-hmm. you meet people and... Is it safe to say, or just address for a moment, you meet people and you really, you kind of think, oh my gosh, what actually happened? Because somewhere down the line, they did not connect all of these, uh, uh, you know, the spiritual, the physical, all of this. They didn't connect it, but not only that, uh, maybe some of those emotions are being buried alive and they're just not addressing them. Yeah. Um, the, How do you the, do that? Um, the most interesting thing is this. Um, you might see children, and you, you brought up that, that they're living wonderful lives and they're young and they're doing what children do. And what normally happens is sometimes we have memories. And sometimes, in order for us, and in my book I kind of mention uh, a, a statement in there about the fact that sometimes we we have this thing that we do when we're younger, which according to Sam, Simon Tuglow's book, The Beatitude, and it's in my book on page mm-hmm. 29, I talked about the fact that we put on what we call imposters. Mm-hmm. And these imposters are things, uh, we call them masks, that protect us when we're younger and even protect us when we're older. But the thing about the mask is, the mask is good at a certain point in our lives, but at some point in our lives, we have to take the mask off. And so sometimes you might see somebody, and you're shocked that they're 70 or 80, and you're like, why didn't they see this? Right. Why didn't they? <laughs> right. It, to, me, to you, it's just plain as day. For them, it's not, because that mask, when there were five, six, eight, seven, protected them and Hmm. made them become who they were going to be. The key, though, about the mask is that we have to recognize, and I let me just, uh, if you don't mind, I'll just read a little statement. Absolutely. It says, It's your show. (laughs) You say, you you see at times we put on persona to mask who we really are. The mask I call is an imposter. It's good for us at times in that it protects us. But it also can be a terrible thing to have because sometimes we use the imposter to protect us and not show who we real, really are. Mm. And so the thing is, we might do things, 
when we're younger, and it's it's fine. Then we say, oh, yeah, they're children. Don't worry about it. But ah, the thing about right. it is you have these memories, and when you're younger, you put memories, you get memories, and sometimes those things, you don't, they don't even get activated until hmm. we're later. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have someone in your office, and that person, when you talk to them about certain things, they just kind of lash out at you, and you're like, well, I was just asking a simple question. The fact of the matter is, and uh, there's a, a preacher that I know, he said somebody came into his office, and she was just yelling at him, hey, you do this, you did this. And he paused because he recognized. He said, dear, can you tell me, look behind me and tell me who you're talking to, because you're really not talking to me. And she just started to cry. Mm. She said, I was talking to my dad, because your actions remind me of my dad. Ah, used to do right. things to me when I was younger, but I didn't deal with them. The key, though, is that Jesus came into our lives. And what he calls us to do? Mm-hmm. He calls us to be like him. Yes. And so what do we have to do? Be like him means then we have to open up these imposters. We have to open up these masks and deal with them. Now, for me, I am very, very sensitive to the fact that when you open up these things, there's something associated with opening these things up. And right. this thing called pain. Yes. And the thing about it is, and let me just kind of walk you through something that I use with many people when I, when I, when I coach them, whether they are uh, students or whether they're mm-hmm. CEOs of companies, is that I say to them, you need to get somewhere, which means you mm-hmm. know it and I know it, you want to change. Mm-hmm. Okay. The thing about it is when you want to change, you have to make a decision to stop doing something. Ah, I'm not so true. Yes. However, when you stop doing it, I guarantee you that you're not you're going to feel out of sorts. You're not going <laughs> to feel yourself. Uh, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel. But on the other side of that is for what I call a paradise, where oh, this is re- really who I should be. <laughs> but the fact is, you have to walk through that uncertainty. And mm-hmm. in in the book Transition, written by William Bridges. He said there are three parts to every change. He doesn't use the word change. He used transition because we're always constantly transitioning. Right. One, mm-hmm. it's ending. Two, he used the term neutral zone, which is I call that weird part where you just feel kind of out of sorts. <laughs> and third is that new beginning. You have to make the decision that I want to get from the ending to the beginning. And no matter what is in that middle part, that neutral zone, that uncertainty, I am mm. going beyond that. Now, Love involved in that neutral part is going to be pain because you might have to deal with some stuff that you never want to deal with or some stuff that right. protected exactly. yourself Exactly, exactly. Rupert, okay. can we hold that thought for a moment? Sure. I just heard the music for a commercial. Okay. This is just, uh, I'm so honored to have you here. Okay. I'm being enlightened and okay. empowered once again <laughs> because okay. I was actually a student of Rupert's at one okay. time at the New York City Leadership Fellows. Uh, so I'm very humbled to have you here. Um, we'll return in a moment. We're speaking with Rupert Hales, uh, the author of Emotional Intelligence and the Church. Stay tuned. With us. We'll be right back. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite twice every week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety and on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You're tuned in to the Wellness Lounge a step further with host Desiree Watson. To find out more about our programs, please visit our website at www.wellnessinteractive.com. That's wellnessinteractive.com. Now, back to the show. Thanks for joining us again, and we're speaking with Rupert A. Hales, Jr., who is the president of the Center for Emotional and Spiritual Development. And Rupert is uh, enlightening us and empowering us with uh, that whole balance of uh, emotional intelligence and the church, or uh, just being uh, grounded in faith. And I just want to go directly back to Rupert and I'll tell you, this is one of those uh, shows where uh, I don't really want to say anything. I just want Rupert to just go ahead and talk. <laughs> so, Rupert, thank you. Thank you again for joining us. And, uh We were speaking uh, about uh, that balance and, and uh, how our, our emotions are buried. And um, you, you hit on so many interesting points that could, uh, of course, uh, empower um, an individual. Um, can we uh, go to uh, uh, you on a personal basis and how all of what you teach to others has empowered you? Or uh, how did you navigate your whole life experience to get to this point? Um, I don't know. Maybe you were enlightened, uh, enlightened as a young uh, person or maybe a young adult. Or uh, can you uh, explain to us how one at- absolutely navigate such an um, uh, enlightening uh, experience to align all of uh, mind, body, spirit, faith, and emotional intelligence. Okay. Thank you, Desiree. Um, a, a phrase that I use uh, lately um, as I get older is, if I know then what I know now, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think we all use <laughs> I would be so much... Yep. Let's just yep. try and go back, but yep. we can. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, 
um, growing up, um, I mean, I didn't have, you know, there was not a lot of abuse or anything in my home or anything like that. I just lived because our existence, we just assumed they're normal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I grew up, I, um, I went to high school. After high school, I went to uh, Seton Hall. I got a dual degree there. After that, I... Um, went off to Wharton Business School, got a degree there, went to corporate America. Mm-hmm. And I felt, you know, I am going to, you know, literally, uh, if I could become a CEO of a Fortune 500, a Fortune 50 company, that was my goal. And so I was moving wow. full steam ahead. And, you know, I as I am going along, um, I realized that I was having some success, actually. Uh, yeah, I was having pretty good success. <laughs> and... Um, a uh, pastor um, asked me, um, they told me that he needed help. And bear in mind, I had received the Lord when I was 12 or 13, took a little vacation from him, mm. and then came back. We all know what vacation means from yeah. the Lord. Um, but I came back, and I really wanted to, you know, you know, center my faith around him. And so I joined the church. Mm. And when I joined the church, the most interesting thing about, not so much, I don't want to make it about the church, but about a relationship with God, yes. is that it is not about what you do. It's about others. It's about mm-hmm. people. Yes. That is what God concerns himself most about. I would say that the work that I do is some of the easiest work. I mean, somebody might look at it and say, oh, we're doing strategy, doing this. It's really difficult. But God says, I got that. What I need <laughs> to do is to understand how are you relating to others? How are mm-hmm. you treating others? How are you taking care of others? Mm-hmm. And for me, this is where I had to face those unknown, those blind spots, those masks, those imposters that I've had all this time mm-hmm. that had served me so well. But it got to a place where, uh-oh, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and I know you, you asked me, Desiree, about you know, growing up. Retrospect. I realized that when growing up, there were some things that I didn't recognize along the way. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that, you know, there was this moment. It was a changing moment for me. And um, I I mentioned it in the book where, you know, there was this big thing. I was uh, running this great um, uh, event. Um, It was 600 people that were coming and, you know, the former governor of New Jersey was invited and, you know, the the, 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 ch- the former chairman of banking and commerce was invited. It was just a mm-hmm. big event and I wanted, you know, you and you're responsible for things, responsible for events, and you can relate to this. You want everything to work like clockwork. Right. You want everything to be fine. No mistakes, no, no hiccups. Right. So I remember driving in um, to the place and um, when I drove in, um, I realized that, I called my assistant and I said, you know, are you um, uh, is everything ready and set? And there was this pause on the phone. And I was just like, is there something wrong? Oh, no. Um, I turned out that of the 600 people that were there, you know, when you go to these formal things, you have plate setting, a plate, right. uh, table where people can sit and everybody mm-hmm. knows where they're sitting. There was none of that. Ooh. 600 people, all these dignitaries, and nobody knows where they're sitting. And so I, I just went, a term in emotional intelligence is called emotional hijacking, and I'll tell you a little bit about that, but suffice <laughs> it to say, I had an emotional hijacking session on my assistant, and I just went <laughs> oh, <no>. crazy. <laughs> um, my past, I mean, people got hurt because, you know, when you're in the midst of that, you're trying to, emotions are running wild and all yeah. that. Yeah. 
and mm. didn't. I mean, everything worked out well. But I remembered that my pastor said to me, after all this was over, we were overseas on a mission trip. He said, Rupert, you know the interesting thing about Jesus is that no matter who you were, when you were with him, you never felt less than yourself. Yes. And so that kind of resonated with me. This need to achieve for me, mm-hmm. this need for perfection for me, mm-hmm. this need for excellence for me, it meant that I could have that, but I was working with people and through people. So what is the impact of me driving on other people? I didn't realize the fact that I was running ahead, doing things, trying to achieve, trying to do this. And what was happening to people around me? They were mm-hmm. being hurt. And so then what that requires of me then is I have to say, God, and implicit in that was, you know, lack of relationship because you're running so fast, number <laughs> two, um, anger because, you know, when you have outbursts. So I started to ask myself this question, where does this come from? What mm-hmm. is in me that's causing me to react this way? And here is the kicker. I was serving the Lord for over 20-something years. How oh. is it that mm-hmm. I could be serving the Lord for over... Remember, you mentioned about somebody 70, 80 years old. Right. How could you be doing this and still be serving the Lord and still have this other thing over here? Exactly. That, it doesn't make any sense. But yeah. that, that verse I mentioned before, your whole spirit, your whole body, your whole soul... Mm-hmm. My spirit was fine because I was connected with God. I serve Him. Everything was great. My body was fine. I go to the gym. I take care of it. But my emotions, my mind, my will, that was not fully under the command of the Lord. And so I was lashing out at things. And so then I started to do this deep, deep research on myself to say, God, maybe you can show me. What is it that was going on with me? Why I'm this way? And I started to look back. Look back at my family. Look back at my home life. And I realized that, you know what, Rupert? Everybody in my family, my father wanted us that we needed to be the very best in college and very best Mm -hmm. in school. Mm -hmm. My father would be someone who, you know, you come home with 99 percent on a test, and he'd probably say, where's the other one percent? Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, my... I understand. You know, mm-hmm. he, and so achievement was mm-hmm. beyond. The second thing is that, you know, uh, my background is that, you know, I am African-American, and, you know, my father came here, and so when you're in the country itself in America, you know, someone might say, okay, and, and you don't want us really to talk about this, but is there racism, all that stuff? And so, yeah, somebody might say, yeah, it's there, but it's not implicit. You know, it's not explicit. It's implicit, da-da-da-da. And so my dad had to work through all of that. He was a maintenance worker at one, at one of the national chains, so he would clean the floor all the time. Mm-hmm. And the way he's treated from a younger age, he had anger built up in him. And so the need to achieve and anger, need to achieve and anger, need to achieve, all of that was buried in me. Mm-hmm. And I needed to succeed no matter what. And so as I'm doing this digging, that's where I realize Daniel Goldman putting in his book, there's a book called Primal Leadership, which he writ- written right. by mm-hmm. uh, Boyatzis and also by McKee and McKee. Mm-hmm. You have different kind of leadership styles. Um, and I, let me just mention a couple of them. You could be a visionary, somebody who just thinks about big vision and you don't care about the small details. 
Mm-hmm. You could be someone who's a command and control, which says, just shut up, we're in a war, just follow them, <laughs> take the lead. Mm-hmm. And you could be someone who's affiliative. You know, you don't care about anything. You just, all you care about is the relationship with people. You're an affiliative person. You won't get a lot done, but you're an affiliative person. Mm-hmm. And you could be a pace setter. A pace setter is someone who would run right through a wall because they needed to get what needs to get done. Mm-hmm. The danger with a pace setter is that they need to have other pace setters behind them. If they don't, there's a lot of dead bodies on the road. Mm-hmm. That was wow. me. I was the one who was running 10,000 miles a minute, hurting people, pushing people, trying to achieve, trying to do what I needed to get done. Being a Christian at the same time, serving the Lord, yeah, I fast, I pray, I do all this stuff. But there was this big blind spot that I wasn't aligned with with God. It started when I was young. I buried it for the sake of achievement, and it served me well. But it only served me to a certain point where God says, Hey, Rupert, I have something for you that I want you to do. But in order for me to get you to do what you need to do, you've got to deal with this. And as I talk to you and I talk to your listeners, your listeners, they're all listening. And there's things that comes in their path that they've got to say, God, what is this? Because you know what's funny, um, Desiree? Mm-hmm. When you recognize this, there are two things that you can do. You can say, you know, you know, somebody might say, hey, Rupert, you know, you don't know how to make friends. Or, hey, Rupert, you, you know, you have anger issues. And, hey, Rupert, you, why are you, you know, you have low self-regard. Or, hey, Rupert, you know, why are you not empathetic? All of those are emotional cues. Mm-hmm. You have two choices when that happens. One, you can say, oh, God, what is this? Can you tell me if this is true? Can you show me what I need to do in order to deal with this? Or two, you can say, you know what? Desiree doesn't know what she's talking about. She doesn't know me. Mm-hmm. Or you can say that about anybody in your sphere. Mm-hmm. You have a choice then. And you know the interesting thing? God is just sitting there waiting for you to do what he wants you to do so that he can make you into what he wants you to be. But oh. you have to make that decision that so you beautiful. want to process this. You want to deal with this in order to get to where you need to go. The problem lies in God, am I willing to deal with the pain? Can oh, I deal with oh the pain gosh. to get through this? And oh you know, that, that is where, you know, for yeah. me, that's where it gets into the spiritual realm then, because it, then it comes to a bigger, higher order. Absolutely. It, it, you know, okay. um, oh my gosh, it's just beautiful and empowering. Mm-hmm. And when you speak about pain, mm-hmm. I read the, the dedication mm-hmm. um, to your wife, uh, yeah. You know, in your your book, amazing dedication. Uh, You know, as you begin to navigate this whole experience and, um, you know, as we all have, there are layers and layers. Mm -hmm. How do you or how does one uh, take off these layers? And are you actually engaging with, um, uh, obviously, God, but uh, your partner or your family, or yep. how does that all happen? So yep. just uh, can you speak about your lovely wife for a moment and this dedication you made to her? I'm going to have to call my husband really soon. <laughs> <laughs> there, is a, there is a statement made. I've heard the voice of God, mm-hmm. and it is in my wife. I've heard it. <laughs> the voice of God is my wife. And um, it's in my wife. I love my, it. My, uh, my wife... Um, She's been praying um, ever since we, we got married. We've been married now for four, close to 14 years. 
and um, um, she um, has been praying. Even when we got married, she said, you know, God, you know, this guy's smart, he's somewhat intelligent, he knows what he needs, he's doing, but does this part, God, can you, can you, can you show him? Because when I dedicated this book, I realized that she is someone that has been through stuff. Mm-hmm. And what, I'm going to ask you and your listeners to, I'm going to give you an assignment. I won't check on the assignment because I, I wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. But check on the people that are the happiest, mm-hmm. the people that have joy in their lives. Nine times out of ten are the people that have been through stuff. Yes. Yes. They've Absolutely. been through stuff. You just start checking and looking around. And mm-hmm. my wife has a, such a disposition on life because of what she has been through. She grew up in a home where her dad was a schizophrenic, paranoid schizophrenic. And her mom was someone who coddled them. And by, by definition of that, what that ended up doing is you have this thing called parental inversion where people parent, individual parent, inspiring to kids to the fact that when they're five or six years old, they're dealing with problems that grown-ups deal with. Mm-hmm. This is what I call parental inter- inversion. So she was dealing with that. She was dealing with a dad who was paranoid, schizophrenic. And the pain of that household, she couldn't deal with to the point that she ended up with uh, trichotillomania, which uh, one of the things I mentioned, which is mm-hmm. the pain is so great that you have to find some way of dealing with the pain. Some people, they cut themselves. Some people, they, they do stuff with their hair. They pull their hair. My wife started to do stuff like that. They, they call that uh, humiliation, mm-hmm. um, where you start doing stuff to yourself. And she did that because she couldn't deal with the pain of the home and the household. And mm-hmm. to the point that she herself, um, at one point, the stress and the pain of it all and going to work and dealing with that and going to, you know, even when she was in, in college, dealing with that and dealing with the fact that, you know, basically her, her, her facial, her hair uh, was a dis- bit, little bit disfigured and all that. And then, you know, you know how kids are, kids mm-hmm. think things. You have to deal with all of that. She has to process all of that. Yeah. And then she met Jesus. She met God. And God taught her how to understand what pain is, what emotions is, what it feels like, how it feels, what it should do. And the key is that you, she never ran away from it. She mm-hmm. ran to it. Mm-hmm. And what God taught her through that was how to deal with emotions because all of this thing that she has experienced from her younger age even till now was all in the emotional realm. And what she would do as she learned this, and she, she went through a period of time where she was depressed and all that, and she was on, I think she was on 18 medication at one point. Wow. When she got hmm. into her middle 20s, God miraculously delivered her to the point where today she doesn't take one tablet. Oh, God. One. Beautiful. But what God Beautiful. has done is he has worked through her, and now what she's doing, she's, she has a, 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 a very wonderful program um, called the No Program where she tries to help women understand what their emotion is and what it's like to know God. Because mm-hmm. if you know God and understand who God is, whatever you experience in your life as young or older, woman, men, you can be launched into who you need to be 
But yes. the fact of the matter is you have to deal with what is in front of you. Mm-hmm. And let me say this, one of my best prayer, best prayer, um, is, Lord, break me today, but take it easy on the pain. Mm. Wow. Because the fact of the matter is my wife, she was broken. She was literally broken. But the interesting thing is that God wanted to use her. But the fact of the matter, remember I mentioned that neutral zone before? You have to go through some things in the middle. But the most interesting thing is that for you, for your listeners, God wants to do something so great in you. But he's just saying to you, can you trust me? Can you just trust me to just come this way? Your mother and your dad might be doing crazy things in your mind. It doesn't make any sense, and they're casting dispersions against you. But God is saying, it's not about them. It's about you. Chuck Swindoll says, life is 5% what happens to you and 95% how you respond. How you respond, absolutely. And your response is based in your emotions. And so, you know, I can, you know, somebody might say, well, Rupert, you know, you're all about emotions, but... You know, I'm not all about emotions, but I'm, what I really want to highlight is in, in work, in church, in school, emotions are so important. And let me just, you know, pardon me, Desiree, for just waxing a little bit uh, theological here. The enemy of our soul, what he would like to do is for us to have those imposters where we take those things and we bury them, where we take those things and we don't deal with them, where we take those things and we don't handle them. What does the enemy want? The enemy doesn't want you to get to the future that God has for you. And he will mm-hmm. have you bury those things. Oh, but wow. the thing is, you and I need to say, okay, let me start mm-hmm. thinking big picture because God wants Absolutely. to do something. Rupert, yeah. I, oh my gosh. Uh, just, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Hold that thought okay. for one moment. We're going to break for commercial okay. because... Uh, it is absolutely empowering, and I want to just come back and uh, just hear more of okay. uh, uh, enlightening us on uh, really uh, being uh, so in tune to what we're capable of and what God wants us to do. We shall return in a moment with Rupert Hales, Jr. Thank you. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. 
Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You're tuned in to the Wellness Lounge a step further with host Desiree Watson. To find out more about our programs, please visit our website at www.wellnessinteractive.com. That's wellnessinteractive.com. Now, back to the show. Thanks for joining us again. We're speaking with Rupert A. Hills, Jr., who is the president of the Center for Emotional and Spiritual Development. He's also written a book, Emotional Intelligence and the Church. And, Rupert, uh, again, we're very excited uh, about your enlightening us and empowering us with emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence and the church. Mm -hmm. So I definitely want to, uh, of course, um, uh, speak more about uh, where we left off, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, burying the pain and Mm -hmm. all of the mess. But uh, can we just circle back around to that for a moment? Because uh, it still, it does tie into the the next uh, uh, question, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, I have a friend who, uh, stayed at home for a while, uh, raised her children, and yep. then uh, her company asked her to come back. I mean, they found her after like, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years of being at home. There, mm-hmm. they, they offered her this uh, uh, job or what she thought was an amazing job uh, mm-hmm. to go back to work. And she stayed on the job maybe, I don't know, maybe a month or, yep. or six weeks. She literally quit. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, she said, I can't tell you that's right, how difficult and uh, actually how awful Mm -hmm. it was to be on a job to watch people so confused uh, with uh, basically all of what we spoke about, the emotional uh, uh, intelligence or or just being connected to emotion. And she thought it had gotten better with all of what's being presented Mm -hmm. on – EI and mm-hmm. you know she she just she she ran but yet um, uh, they called her back and said listen we'll give you another job we just need you we need your expertise yeah. and she said I can't do it her yeah. home uh, things start uh, started to become difficult uh, in her family life yeah. all of that so my question is why is EI important why is emotional intelligence important. Just for us, yeah. who who just want to go to work every day, how yeah. does that work? How, why? Where does this all fall into um, uh, trying to align all of the great things that you yeah. mentioned? Uh, Thank you for the place. question, um, Desiree. Um, the thing is, emotions is ever-present. And sometimes some of us believe that we can be in one location. And, okay, let's not focus on emotions at all. And then we we'll go to another location and focus on emotion. It's almost like that silo mentality. And Mm -hmm. I think what we're realizing in corporate America, in the church, in organizations, is that you can't be siloed. The most interesting thing that I've found out of my research is that you are, and it might sound so trivial and crazy, 
you're the same person at work as you are at home. Yes. You're the same exact person. Absolutely. The situations are different. Now, integrity, integrity is what is needed because integrity requires you to be the same person at work and at home. In your example that you just cited with your, your friend, she realized that she couldn't be integrous. She couldn't be who she was at yeah. home as she exactly. was in the marketplace in what she was seeing because she saw things that were contrary. It doesn't make any sense. And I would say that emotions are everywhere. It's at work and at home. Um, Henry Cloud wrote a book called Integrity, and he said there are two things that anything we do are involved. Two things are involved. One is task. The other is relationship, which means everything you think you do involves getting the work done, but it also involves working with people. And too often, we have wakes in terms of what do we leave behind. We, have, we get the work done, but there's no relationship. I think this is what your friend was suffering from, because she went in there and saw, oh, my goodness, these people are doing what they're doing. But the, the relationship, emotional side, is, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make any sense. And I would say to you that from an emotional standpoint, guilt, fear, love, trust, anger, sadness, just like it exists at home, it also mm-hmm. exists in the marketplace. Emotional intelligence, then, can deal with, help you deal with things, whether you're at work, home, day-to-day life, one, from a sadness perspective, to help you better handle stressful and uncomfortable situations. If you didn't get a promotion and you failed to get what you deserve, how does EI help you with that sadness? It helps you to manage stress. It helps you to manage impulse so that you don't do things that are unreliable. Second thing is it helps you to allow emotions to not overwhelm or get the better of us. Remember I mentioned that emotional hijacking session? Right. <laughs> oh, it did get a hold of me. And that was under anger. But the solution is empathy, to actually recognize where you are, to have an objective look at where you are, and to put yourself in somebody else's shoe. It helps you to ensure that trust is, 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 is defined in undefined relationship. Failure to trust. What happens when you fail to trust? It has a direct correlation on how you work and what you're trying to get done. It helps us to understand our motives in others. How do we deal with perceived threats? In her example, in your friend example, she went back to work, and I guarantee you that she felt threatened by the environment to the point that she said, I cannot, and I refuse to work in this kind of environment. Right. The last one is to better able to rationalize decisions. Sometimes... We have guilt of our work-life balance. But that guilt is based on emotion, something that we buried, and we can deal with it by first understanding the stressful environment, two, empathy, three, how do we control ourselves, how do we feel about ourselves, and how assertive we are. That's what emotional intelligence is. It's more, how do I manage my emotions to get the better of myself? And there are reasons, five good reasons I just mentioned, how to handle stressful situations, how not to overwhelm yourself, how to make sure that you're dealing with trust in undefined relationship. It is key into how organizations and corporations are run now. I use this term. The days of the jungle fighter boss is over. <laughs> now what you need are people who can connect with people, people who can get along yes. with people, people who can serve people. Yes. These days where people just cut people, do things, those days are over. That's why 
understanding our emotions for a long time. We just worked on those two parts of us, the body and the spirit. We just got the work done, the intellect, <laughs> but now emotions are really, really important. Extremely important. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, just... Uh, 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 oh, you're, I, Listen, I can say you're just brilliant. That's oh, it. And where can we find this brilliant platform of yes. yours? Uh, you actually, uh, of course, train mm-hmm. leaders, mm-hmm. but uh, tell us more about your, your program okay. that... Uh, uh, we all may be uh, able to sign on uh, to complete. Thank you, uh, Desiree. A couple of things. One, I run the Center for Emotional and Spiritual Development. Mm-hmm. I also run the second center, which is called the Center for Emotional Development. And the reason why we created those, we created two, is one. One is more faith-based, and the other is not. The thing ah, about it is emotions. <laughs> emotions flow in both environments. Right. And so the emotional... The, the website for emotional uh, spiritual center for emotional and spiritual development is www.emotionalspiritualcenter.org, and the website for emotional center is emotionalcenter.org. So one is for profit, one is nonprofit, one is dealing with secular, one is dealing with non-secular. The other thing is we're on Facebook, we're on social media. But the key, though, is that we do things from, let's say you're looking at the spiritual side, mm-hmm. we do things from dealing with um, uh, 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 what I call those parental inversions, those um, bitter root judgments, things that you did when you were young that you have to deal with later. We deal with uh, liberation. We deal with inner healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we deal with emotional intelligence. On the uh, for-profit side, which is emotionalcenter.org, we deal with emotional intelligence also, just like how we deal with it in the, in the non-profit realm. But we also deal with things such as transition. How do you transition from one place to another? I mentioned before those three different parts. How do you mm-hmm. do that? We also deal with burnout management. You mm-hmm. would not believe, and I know you do, actually, <laughs> how many people are just burnt. Out. Yes. Why yes. are they working so hard? I think that's Why? what my friend yeah. was uh, also feeling. Yeah. And just so being we around have... so many people that are just burned out, and yep. there was no end to it, or yep. her, it appeared that there was no end to it because yep. everyone, you know, the, the superiors or, or the yep. boss and, and the people she worked with, everybody was burned out. Yep. And what we do is we do burnt out assessment. Where for us, I mean, I'm just on a. Um, uh, I'll put my tap myself on the back here, but uh, we're for the EI. We're certified one of seventy four countries that can certify others around the world. Wow! That uh, yeah, you should pat yourself on the back. We are <laughs> certified amazing. in we're certified in transition training. We're certified in burnout management, helping people to understand where they are in their organization, whether they're burnt out or not, and help them develop strategies how not to. And you can be burnt out at home also, as are familiar oh, with yeah. those people who are at home. And so we have a myriad of tools that we use at the center, depending on what you are looking at. And we're sensitive to people. There are people who come to us who have no belief in the Lord. And mm-hmm. yet, this is very important, and we end up using... And let me just say this one last thing, because I know we're coming close mm-hmm. to the end here. Um, God made all of this. He created emotional intelligence. He created emotions. He created all these things. And it'll be so sad for us to ignore certain things that God has developed for us and not use it, because He knows better than us, and He has greater intentions for us 
if we would only embrace the things he's put in front of us. Absolutely. He wants to make us better. Uh, Rupert, can you, uh, do you have your Facebook, your hashtag for Twitter, if you're on Twitter or Facebook? Where can they find you? Because uh, we are unfortunately closing, but I can't wait to have you back again. If they go to the website, they okay. will see all the links to, to, to Facebook Perfect. and also to Twitter and all that kind of things. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, uh, actually, for tuning in, all of our listeners, to uh, uh, listen to Rupert A. Hales, Jr. He is the author of Emotional Intelligence in the Church, and we can't wait to have him back because I think uh, he has enlightened us all with uh, how we are going to continue to navigate our experience of uh, that whole body, spirit, emotional intelligence. Uh, So thank you again for tuning in, and uh, Rupert, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Speak with you soon. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us this week for the Wellness Lounge, a step further. Please tune in next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another great show featuring your host, Desiree Watson. We'll continue to show you how to incorporate a wellness lifestyle and live a better life.